The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Oh dear, how depressing. Now hear this. Your presence is requested on the hangar deck. Let us put a stop to this gold bricking. Gold bricking? A quaint expression from the century which spawned you, Captain. A perfectly dreadful century, I might add, highlighted by wars, women's lib, and the Holocaust. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, April the 13th, 2023. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Wars, women's lib, and the Holocaust. If these things seem a little incongruent with one another to you, see if you still feel that way by the end of today's show. Which begins right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links, archive broadcasts, and the support button that makes it easy for you to support the show. Because as always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Many of you are probably already aware of my official role and involvement with the Freedom Party of Ontario, a fully registered political party in that province that has fielded candidates in every general election since the party's founding in 1984. But affiliated with that party are two other sites online, the Freedom Party of Canada and Freedom Party International. The latter is not a political party but a think tank while the Freedom Party of Canada is an unregistered party in waiting, should the need or demand ever arise, which is not likely with Maxime Bernier's PPC operating in the federal jurisdiction. Now I'm telling you all of this so that you'll understand why I would be sharing with you the following exchanges that I recently had via email. The first was addressed to feedback at freedomparty.ca, which is the email address for the Freedom Party of Canada. And it came from someone named My C. And of course, we don't air last names here on the broadcast version of the show. And the subject was protests in Surrey. Quote, Shame on you for citing these protests. As a retired educator, parent, grandparent, and great-grandparent, I know how difficult it has been for some children to be open about their sexual orientation whereas parents who belong to your party would not, in all likelihood, be accepting and loving of these children. At least the children would have someone in the school situation who could counsel and help. Open your minds and hearts. Help, not hinder, end quote. So I responded, Hello, my. For whom was this message intended? Since we have no knowledge of any protests in Surrey, and since the Freedom Party of Canada is not a currently registered political party, we can only conclude that your concerns were meant to be directed to some other political organization not affiliated with our own. And then I got this response, quote, The news cited the Freedom Party as being out with protest placards. This is what I read. 
Protesters, who are part of the Freedom Party of British Columbia, gathered and held signs saying children belong to parents, not to governments, and no to sexualization of children in public schools, end quote. And so I replied to her again. Hello, my. The Freedom Party of BC is not officially affiliated with either the Freedom Party of Canada nor with the officially registered Freedom Party of Ontario, and I provided links to all three sites for her. And But then I added this. If the mere citing of the given protests is the source of your objection, and since you say it was the news, quote-unquote, that cited them, why would you not have directed your comment towards those who actually cited the protest, the news media in question? However, given the quote you've cited and to which you apparently object, we must assume that you believe children do belong to the state and that the sexualization of children in public schools is an acceptable practice. If that is so, then your finger of shame is pointing in the wrong direction, end quote. Well, of course, I'm still waiting for a response. Now, I gave Maya an out, an opportunity to correct my assertion that she supports state ownership of our kids as well as the sexualization of children in government schools. And she has not as yet responded, so I guess it's true. Worse, from her comments, she apparently thinks that the Surrey BC protests have something to do with sexual orientation, when the issue at hand is about the mental illness of gender dysfunction and trans ideologies being forced upon the kids at school as norms. And worse, that the rest of society has to mollycoddle, cater to, subsidize, and acknowledge these utterly evil and nihilistic ideologies, about which we will have much more to say later in the show, so keep this one on the back burner for a bit. So then a few days later, and once again addressed to the Freedom Party of Canada, I received this cryptic message from a writer identifying only as Dandelion under the subject of election. Quote, You don't have a hope in hell of getting anyone elected, end quote. <laughs> so, I responded thusly. Since the Freedom Party of Canada is unregistered and does not field candidates for election, that makes perfect sense, end quote. And then Dandelion responds, something I didn't expect. Thank God, quote, end quote. Wow. So given that she was thankful that the Freedom Party of Canada would never get elected, thankful that a party that, quote, believes the purpose of government is to protect individual freedom of choice and not to restrict it, and she's happy that a party like that would not be electable, well, I just couldn't help myself. And I responded, with a smiley face and the wink of an eye, accompanying my reply, quote, as an apparent fan of tyranny, you have plenty of reasons to be thankful. Liberal, conservative, NDP, green, communist, etc. And then my little smiley face. And I thought that would be the last of it, when lo and behold, Dandelion surprised me with a response that became the inspiration of our broadcast today. And it struck me that what the writer had to say was very representative of the mindset that those of us who are working hard to preserve and enshrine individual freedom are up against. And I quote, I am confounded by some people crying out for freedom in one of the freest countries in the world. Perhaps a month or two in Russia, China, or North Korea might give one perspective. As an elderly person and a woman, I do know what it's like to live under the thumb of the patriarchy. 
If you want to talk about tyranny, look to the patriarchy, the suppression of the rights of native people, etc. I see a changing world that is better than the one I was born into. I am so grateful to have been born in Canada and into a community where we rally to help the disabled and disadvantaged, where for the most part people are good and help each other. It is disturbing to see a small segment of society that seeks to blame the government for most everything they disagree with. Disruptive people with an axe to grind, resentful and angry, what is now labeled as the fringe. We have these people here in our community. They shout and honk and drive around in their trucks with their flags waving, but most of them do nothing to improve our community. They live insular lives without contributing anything. I have never belonged to any political party, but I have always researched the candidates to discover which might align with my thinking. More often than not, the candidate of my choice does not get elected. Ha ha! I can imagine how brutal it is to represent all the people in one's constituency. One needs a tough skin and a whole lot of fortitude. I do admire the few who, regardless of the slings and arrows, continue to serve us. It takes guts and intelligence especially emotional intelligence. My two cents. End quote. Wow. Well, in appreciation of Dandelion's sincerely expressed two cents reply, allow me to offer a million-dollar response. While I can relate to her attitude about joining political parties, and I share her experience with voting, <laughs> I've never voted for a winner, the balance of her comments clearly suggests to me that she appears not to be aware of what's happening in Canada today, and in particular, over the past three to five years. Indeed, her opening sentence as much states so. I am confounded by some people crying out for freedom in one of the freest countries in the world. Well, what is so confounding about people who, in valuing what they believe to be a free country, are reacting directly to a government that is explicitly and openly crushing their freedom? I can assure her, that her own bewilderment over people crying out for freedom is accompanied by a similar bewilderment of millions of Canadians who, like me, are confounded by those who share the perspectives she has expressed, a view of Canada utterly inconsistent and in conflict with reality. Perhaps a month or two in Russia, China, or North Korea might give one perspective, she suggests. Well, been there, done that. As I've told the story on past broadcasts, my grandfather was rounded up from his farm in Hungary by the Russians and forced into slave labor in Ukraine for four years, after which they allowed him to starve to death along with millions of others. Members of my immediate family spent time in gulags. And you know what? Despite their experiences, they never arrived at any particular perspective about freedom. Other than it was better to live in North America than where they came from, right? Then comes the comment that reveals Dandelion's own agenda. Quote, If you want to talk about tyranny, look to the patriarchy, the suppression of the rights of Native people, etc. End quote. Well, the suppression of the rights of Native people, etc.? Really? In one of the freest countries in the world? In fact, we have looked at those things, and many of those Native people were in Ottawa protesting along with the rest of Canadians who were peacefully there, simply requesting that their voices be heard by a government stripping them of their freedom. And it's interesting how quickly she can cite the tyranny under which Native people live, yet say Canada is one of the freest countries in the world. No, no contradiction there, or what? Similarly, she cites, of all things, the patriarchy as a valid example of tyranny in Canada. 
that is one of the freest countries in the world. I haven't heard the word patriarchy used in this context since the political dinosaurs of feminism and women's lib walk the face of the earth. Patriarchy is defined as a social organization marked by the supremacy of the father in the clan or family, the legal dependence of wives and children, and the reckoning of descent and inheritance in the male line broadly. Well, where the hell in Canada does this condition exist? Moreover, how come we still have a patriarchy in a country where women have had the right to vote since long before most people today were even born? And how can you have a patriarchy in an insane country that allows anybody to change their sexual identity at will? Just call yourself a man. You've solved your problem. The problem with this objection is that real women vote. And if we lived in a patriarchy, it's because women have voted for it. I see a changing world that is better than the one I was born into, she writes. I am so grateful to have been born in Canada and into a community where we rally to help the disabled and disadvantaged, where most people are good and help each other. Well, these comments suggest to me quite clearly that the writer has no idea whatever what's happening in Canada today. Canadian downtowns are littered and crawling with drug-addicted and homeless people. Nobody will or can help them. Healthcare procedures have been denied to people who have refused to be jabbed with the deadly bioweapons being fraudulently represented as vaccines, while millions around the globe who have taken the bioweapons are dying and dropping dead suddenly, to say nothing of all the injuries. Over 40,000 Canadian seniors were murdered in Canada's old age homes, deaths caused by neglect, isolation, poisonous injections, deadly medical procedures, and a whole host of unconscionable actions justified by COVID-19. Yet another government-sponsored fraud in and of itself. Businesses and homes were locked down, and jobs and lives lost because of Canada's COVID tyranny. You know, and one of the freest countries in the world. Canada is now at war, openly supporting bona fide Nazis in Ukraine and effectively declaring war on the state of Russia, which has in no way threatened the security of Canada, while we threaten Russia's security through participating with the warmongering NATO. Canada's Prime Minister is an open and avowed fan of Chinese dictatorship and is in the process of bringing that dictatorship to Canada so you won't have to go to China for that perspective of freedom. Canada has purely political prisoners in its jails and detention centers. Canada jails Christian pastors and ministers for simply conducting their services and celebrating their religions. People have been fined and jailed for standing too close to one another or for failing to wear the mask of submission, which is the only function that masking serves, something I was saying on the first day we ever heard about masking. We have a government that believes it can freeze bank accounts and financial transactions of people on the basis of their having criticized government policy. And then she writes that it's disturbing to see a small segment of society that seeks to blame the government for most everything they disagree with. Think about it. Why would that be disturbing? For someone who pretends to value freedom, this is an unconscionable comment. Shouldn't it be reassuring that in a free country people can express their opposing views to the government without fearing the force of the state brought down upon them? Having the right and freedom to disagree is paramount in any free society and speaks to the heart of freedom of speech itself. Disruptive people with an axe to grind, resentful and angry, what is now being labeled as the fringe, she cites. Well, interestingly, that so-called fringe was the exact place that Donald Trump praised people for being. Outsiders, he called them. Last week's show, if you want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. 
And as to the truckers' freedom convoy in Ottawa last year, there were no people there who were disruptive, resentful, or angry. Or maybe the writers somehow missed all of the bouncy castles, family sporting events, barbecues, and dancing, and seeing the streets of Ottawa cleaner than they were ever kept before. It's all on record. Millions upon millions of people have witnessed the reality of this situation. How come there are still people who are unaware of this? She writes, We have these people here in our community. They shout and honk and drive around in their trucks with their flags waving, but most of them do nothing to improve our community. They live insular lives without contributing anything. End quote. Wow, what a preposterous and evil thing to say. The writer has no way of knowing what kind of lives they live, and it's the right to live those lives as they choose, not as the government chooses, that is what they are shouting and honking and driving their trucks around for, in the vain hope of simply getting someone in the government to listen to their case, and to see all of the evidence they had about the deadly vaccines, along with the medical and professional experts they brought with them, willing to debate anyone that the government felt would best represent its position. Every overture towards the government for a bit of acknowledgement and communication was rejected. But no such democratic discourse was permitted. Instead, Trudeau attacked peaceful, unarmed, unthreatening in any way Canadians with the use of military and police force actually shooting at them. Yeah, in one of the freest countries in the world. But the question to ask, given all of the readily available evidence, is how is it that anyone cannot be aware of these circumstances and conditions? only by believing the mainstream media and government officials who have been spewing a steady stream of lies and working to create a censorship regime so that Canadians will not be able to access the truth. So I find myself once again returning to that well-known axiom. It ain't so much what people don't know that gets them into trouble, it's what they do know that just ain't so. And of course, getting people to know what just ain't so has become the prime directive of the mainstream media, an objective accomplished by spreading lies, failing to report on truths, and by censorship and media controls, which the Trudeau government is pursuing on every front. As a globalist, his agenda for tyranny is perfectly in line with that of other Western nations. And of course, the specter of censorship is not only happening in Canada, it is also going on in the United States, Australia, and Europe, towards which we shall now focus our attention. So coming up next is one person who can tell you a lot about censorship, and that is none other than Tommy Robinson, whose voice we haven't featured on the show for quite a while, mostly due to his unjust incarceration and constantly being censored. So, I was very pleased to have seen Tommy Robinson in fine form, having appeared before the Danish Parliament just a little over a week ago, about his documentary called Silenced, which ironically has been silenced by the UK government. And much of what he had to say touches on some of the very issues we've already highlighted. It's been roughly three years since I was last here. I'm still very grateful for that opportunity. I'm grateful for any opportunity to speak in Parliament. The documentary which we're going to watch today is called Silenced. But before we get onto the documentary, I want to talk a little bit about freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is the greatest liberty. It allows good and bad ideas to be heard. It allows truth to expose lies, and it allows good to expose evil. It's important to hear all sides of the debate so you can think for yourselves. You see, when they censored me, I've been deleted off of all social media. 
When they took away my voice, they didn't just cancel me, they cancelled you. They cancelled the public's ability to make their own mind up, to listen to the alternative view, to hear the other side of the story. They want to tell you how to think and what to think, especially about certain individuals like myself. Taking free speech is the first step to establishing their tyranny. The problem is when they took my free speech, everyone celebrated it. When I was deplatformed, when I was cancelled, every journalist, every media, and every politician celebrated the fact that I was cancelled. I was not put before any court. I've never been arrested or tried on any hate crimes or race crimes or anything like that. The problem they have, the censorship started with ourselves. We were talking about open border migration. We were talking about some uncomfortable truths around Islam. The problem being that governments don't want an open discussion about mass migration or Islam, as it will expose the catastrophic failures of their unilateral multicultural experiment that has failed across Europe. The problem is, the goalposts continue to change. They keep shifting. You may find yourself on the right side of free speech today. It started off with censoring people like Tommy Robinson, like myself, and it was celebrated. Only now, it's scientists, it's doctors, it's nurses. The list of things you're not allowed to talk about. COVID, the vaccine, now transgenderism. It continually shifts. So to our haters and to our doubters, to the people who celebrate our censorship, at some point you may find yourselves on the wrong side of free speech, so long as we allow the state to decide what is acceptable to talk about. If you look at JK Rowling, she now finds herself as a hate figure for standing up for women. The next and what's coming in the future, minor attracted people, as they try to normalise the sexualisation of children. There has been no violent revolution, but the revolution has happened. Hate-filled progressive groups and ideas have infiltrated our schools and our universities. Their graduates have entered the corporate world and the public sector. They run the media. Some politicians believe and champion their ideas. Others dare not dissent. Big tech carries out surveillance on the population on behalf of the state. Anyone who read the Twitter files is fully aware of what's going on. Politicised police and judges are just following their orders. We are all custodians of the most priceless cultural inheritance of all, freedom of speech. Every single emotion and feeling you can think of a name, from fear to murder to torture to being locked in solitary confinement for your entire life. These are all feelings and emotions that people have gone through previous to us in order to preserve and protect freedom of speech. If we open up the dictionary, I've done it earlier, I, looked up the, I opened up the dictionary and I looked up the word free. It says costs nothing. Freedom of speech isn't free. It never has been. Millions of people have sacrificed and died in order to preserve that freedom that we have. When I read the word free and it says costs nothing, since exercising my freedom of speech, I've spent a year in solitary confinement. 
I've been in 10 prisons. I've had violent beatings. There's terrorists in jail for planning to murder us. Six of the main British banks have closed me. PayPal have closed me. Um, MailChimp have closed me. Every single social media in the every single social media company in the world have deplatformed me. I've had 15 years of court cases and state persecution for exercising my free speech. This is the battle of our generation. It will be viewed upon when we're successful. People will look back upon speeches like this. They will remember them. They will review them. And the film you're about to watch now is called Silence. It's just the behind the scenes of one story that I reported on. The only problem being, I've been given an injunction by the British state. I've been given an injunction that says I get two years in prison if certain information and truths are shown to the public. What could it be that the British establishment are that terrified of the public seeing? What you're going to witness is the proof of an unholy alliance of government and media conspiring together in order to drive and push a narrative around the world. You're also going to see the extreme lengths that they will go to to silence any dissenting voices that get in the way of their narrative. I'd like you all to ask yourself, especially if you're watching this, what are you willing to sacrifice for freedom of speech? What lengths are you willing to go to to protect it? I know that when I look at my children, and all of us should think about our children, and certainly the next generation, as we go into this big tech-controlled world of more control and less freedom, and know that I'll be able to look my children in their eye and, I, and tell them that I give everything in my battle for freedom of speech and my battle to expose those who attempted to curtail it and take it from us. The stakes literally could not be higher. If we lose our freedom of speech, our freedom to think is what will become the next casualty. Scrutiny dies and tyranny reigns. Common sense, truth and courage are contagious. They act like a disease that is unstoppable. It is my hope that this disease will continue to spread so we can reclaim free speech, so we can resist tyranny and preserve the cultural inheritance of equality, democracy and liberty for future generations. I'd ask that people refrain from putting videos out of parts of the documentary. As I said, there is an there's an injunction in place and it, I believe it's in the words of Jesus Christ. They say, the truth shall set you free. Not anymore. Not in 2023. The truth shall get you two years in prison. We'll now watch the film. Thank you. The news is how we find out what's happening in the world. It's how we form our opinions. Opinions based on facts. That's the key, facts. Facts should be delivered to you by journalists based on the truth. But what if what they're delivering you isn't the truth? What if it's stories that are manipulated to make you think a certain way?
to follow a certain narrative, different people's agendas. And what do they do to those who go against that mainstream narrative? Those who try to expose the truth. This is a documentary about the lengths they will go to to shut down and silence anyone from bringing you, the British public, the truth. Now we have to stop as there is an injunction that prevents the public from seeing this documentary. Preventing you from seeing the evidence produced. Evidence gathered using covert recordings, countless hours of research and investigations along with witness testimonies. Now ask yourself this question. What is it they don't want the world to see? Tragically, those who lead us don't seem to have the moral clarity or courage to speak the truth. They cause the division that they're trying to prevent. People ask me, was it worth it? Yeah, it was worth it. The truth is always worth defending. I'm still here. If you were born in the United Kingdom, you've already won the lottery of life. An inheritance from our parents and grandparents of freedom, equality under English law and democracy. If we allow ourselves to be silenced, that inheritance is rendered worthless. What legacy will we leave for the children and grandchildren who come after us? None of us can afford to let free speech die. We cannot and we will not be silenced. Everybody celebrated my free speech being cancelled, says Tommy Robinson. Yes, but the everybody he's talking about is everybody on the left, which includes both of the letter writers with whom I corresponded earlier about freedom. Both of the letter writers, based on what they said, were expressing their opposition to freedom of speech. The first was outraged and pointed the finger of shame towards anyone who would even cite a protest while the second expressed outrage and offense. It is disturbing to see a small segment of society blaming the government for what they disagree with. Well, if it's so disturbing to see people criticizing and disagreeing with their government, then just close your eyes, or leave your eyes wide shut, as the saying goes. See the pattern and the commonality? Ignorance hides behind censorship. Lies hide behind censorship. Not wanting to know the truth. Tommy Robinson cited COVID, vaccine, transgenderism, minor attractive people, normalizing the sexualization of children, all but a few of the subjects that we free citizens are not allowed to discuss in public, all perfectly fine and okay to the feminists who still think they're fighting patriarchy. Women's Lib was never about liberating women. It was about enslaving them to the state to liberate them from their choice of husband, family, children, etc. You know, the patriarchy. Now, one last observation about the two email writers. Both messages, filled with their objections, were directed to our attention when we had absolutely nothing to do with any of the things they were objecting to, nor with either of the events that were the subjects of their complaints. We weren't involved in the Surrey, B.C. protests, nor were we involved in the Ottawa Truckers Freedom Convoy. So why did I get these emails addressed to me? Well, the trigger word is freedom. The reason I received those two misdirected emails, 
at the beginning of the show was strictly because of the word freedom in the name of the sites they visited. Since the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa, it's come to my attention that the very word freedom is not in the lexicon of the average Canadian. Tommy Robinson began his speech by noting that the news is how we find out about what's happening in the world. And on that theme, allow me to briefly share with you my own personal, direct, and fully documented online experience when it comes to the censorship of the news and feminists. You know, those liberators of women everywhere. Marion Boyd was a New Democrat MPP in London from 1990 to 1999, and she died at the age of 76 just this past October, from causes unspecified in the CBC coverage of her passing on October 14, 2022. That coverage noted that Boyd, quote, became Ontario's first female and non-lawyer attorney general. Remembered for her feminism and progressive social agenda, those who knew Boyd says she was ahead of her time and had a deep sense of public service. Boyd served in various cabinets and put forward a bill, although defeated, that would have given almost equal rights to same-sex couples as common-law spouses. She undertook studies and became a licensed lay worship leader and then spent many hours planning services and writing sermons, very often with a focus on post-colonialism and the trauma inflicted on indigenous communities, her obituary states. Her commitment to truth and reconciliation was steadfast, end quote. Well, talk about coincidence, right? This feminist and progressive was fighting the patriarchy and addressing the trauma inflicted on indigenous communities, just like the two letter writers who wrote us. So where do I come into this picture? Well, for starters, during her tenure as Ontario's Attorney General, I debated her quite regularly on the show, from which Just Right evolved, Left, Right and Centre, hosted by Jim Chapman and aired on CJBK AM Radio in London. These broadcasts are archived on Just Right's site to this very day. And among the things that this feminist and progressive wanted to do was to bring Sharia law into Ontario, another issue concerning Tommy Robinson, but that's not even the worst of it. And here's where, once again, Freedom Party entered the scene following the government's ban of any Canadian news reports concerning the trial of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka for the kidnapping, rape, torture, and murder, not only of two young Ontario girls, but also of Carla Homolka's own sister. Because of the censorship, an ex-Ontario provincial police officer by the name of Gordon Dom found himself in trouble with the Ontario government for crossing the border to the U.S., buying up various American newspapers who were reporting on the trial and making that information available to Canadians. The critical point that he brought to everyone's attention was that Paul Bernardo was charged with 40-plus rapes in which no permanent injuries or deaths occurred except in those cases where he was teamed up with Carla Homolka. I can't get into the whole sordid situation here, but anyone interested can see and hear about the entire travesty wrought by feminist Marion Boyd and her progressive ideology simply by going to the site of the Freedom Party of Ontario, freedomparty.on.ca. Check out the archive link, and using the search feature there, simply type in the name Gordon Dom. That's Dom with two M's. And be awakened to the horror and reality of what feminism has been doing to women. However, for a sampling, I'll share with you the following description of one of the videos you will find there. 
dated May 1st, 2013, headed Freedom Party leader Paul McKeever on Menzoid Mornings regarding Carla Homolka and radical feminism. Quote, on May 1st, 2013, Freedom Party of Ontario leader Paul McKeever appeared on David Menzies' program, Menzoid Mornings. The topic, a 10-minute short historical tutorial about the deal with the devil made in 1993 by the office of Ontario's then Attorney General, militant feminist Marion Boyd, and sex-slaying manslaughter convict Carla Homolka. The video was produced by McKeever to provide context for Freedom Party of Ontario's 1994 Gordon Dom dinner. Dom, a retired OPP officer, violated a court publication ban on the Homolka case by sharing U.S. and British news stories with Canadians. The news reports suggested Homolka played an active part and was an eager participant in the sexual abuse and deaths of Kristen French, Leslie Mahaffey, and her own sister, Tammy Lynn Homolka. McKeever also released his historical video as a standalone video titled Helpless Homolka, How Justice Was Battered by Feminist Censorship. Watch and see how radical leftist feminist ideology was used to characterize Carla Homolka's criminal activities as the act of a helpless victim of battered wife syndrome. Learn how a publication ban helped cover up radical feminist attorney general Marion Boyd's so-called deal with the devil until after the election of 1995, end quote. Wow. Today, murderer, rapist, torturer Carla Homolka walks freely among us, thanks to great progressives like Marion Boyd. Why? Well, because she's a woman. Well, it's now 2023, and I wonder how Boyd's feminism would fare when put up against the natural outgrowth of her philosophy, transgenderism, and an inability and refusal of the woke to even be able to define what a woman is. Maybe we could all just declare Carla Homolka to be a white male, and that would be enough to sentence her for life in this world of identity politics. Look at this! Yes, look! Gentlemen, gentlemen, what a pleasure, what a surprise. we got lots to talk about and delighted to... Oh, oh! Well, what can I do for you, gentlemen? What are you? Uh, well, I'm Colonel Wilma Deering. No, not rank. What are you? I think what they're trying to find out is, my dear, what kind of animal you are. I'm a woman, that's what. Woman? What is woman? What you're looking at, a, a female. She's no female. Couldn't be. Look, she's got bumps. Yes, bumps. Three bumps. Ah, uh, well, uh, you'll have to excuse me. I'll arrange for your quarters. Of course. She's like no female I ever saw. of you are acting like little children. How old are you anyway? Oh, very old. Very, very old. A thousand years. Or more. Uh, more than a thousand years old? At, At least. least. <laughs> well, do you have children? Oh, yeah, we do. Sometimes, in a way. Well, then, you have wives waiting for you at home. What's a wife? Uh, uh, a female. Uh, a woman, like me. No, no wives. No females like you. Uh, but <laughs> you said you had children. How? 
But we attend. The Queen? When she calls. If we hear, she hasn't called. In a long time. She will. Oh, yes, she will. <laughs> well, then your, your Queen buries your children. No, she lays eggs. Eggs? Many eggs. Seven eggs. Us, in a shell. In a shell? In a shell. What, but how do you... Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to get into that one. I'm going to the bridge. And I certainly hope that a lot of you will behave yourselves. How did you do that? Uh, what are you doing? We must settle a question. Settle a question? About a woman. Yes, what is a woman? Oh, well, now, just a minute. You claim to be a female. That's an impossibility. No female looks like you. Correction, no female looks as good as you. Certainly not our queen. She hasn't got buns. We must examine you. Examine? Uh, now, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Begin the off-think. Off-think? Off-think. 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 Gentlemen, gentlemen. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, how dare you? We must examine for science. Oh, no, no, not on your life. It's all right. Join you, Meg, as a doctor. Often, 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 often. And off think is just the right word for it. You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Over the past few weeks alone, we've witnessed news accounts of the murder of Christian children in Texas by a woman identified as transgendered. Interestingly, the media and political response to this was very similar to how Marion Boyd and the Ontario government responded in the case of killer, rapist, torturer Carla Homolka. Absolutely no consideration for the victims of the killer, who were female, by the way, and all of the compassion and forgiveness going towards the perpetrator of the crime, who also happened to be female. And you know what the bottom line, unspoken message of all this is? That women are inferior to men, because women are apparently incapable of being held responsible for their actions. Whatever they do in the commission of a crime, it's some man's fault. The sheer irony of this is that in adopting this perspective, you have to be able to distinguish between the sexes, something the left apparently has no problem with when it suits their agenda. And then there's a case of female athlete Riley Gaines, who spoke out at an American university objecting to women being pitted against men in what is supposed to be women's sports. She was attacked by trans activists threatening to kill and or assault her. And then there's Billboard Chris, who was physically attacked by the trans mobs in Vancouver, all caught on video by Dan Dix of Search for Truth. And in full view of the Vancouver police who did nothing in the face of blatant and overt physical assault initiated by the trans mob. Just a few of the examples relating to the politically contrived world of trans unreality. And it occurs to me that even the alternate media has not stated the obvious deep truth about trans activists and their transgendered victims and agenda. It's not the people they attack that they hate. It's themselves. It's so obvious they don't want anyone else to see it. They deface themselves and make themselves look as ugly and hideous as any self-destructive mentality would. 
They look like they're all dressed up for some kind of satanic Halloween party. The high suicide rates of the trans community is telling. That's not something that people who love and respect themselves would do. These transgendered activists are consumed with a seething self-hatred that they project onto others. If ever there was something real to call a hate crime, this is it. Because they're not angry at people. They're angry at reality. This is why definitions are so important to them. This whole conflict is not over sexuality. It's about epistemology, the science of knowledge, and about the role of definitions within that science. Accurate definitions are the key to discovering what is real and to discovering truth. Reality can only be apprehended when one is using real definitions of real concepts that actually exist in nature, which is another way of describing reality. People who change definitions of words to achieve some kind of agenda are evil people. They are intent on misrepresenting whatever it is that they're after. Just look at a whole COVID scam. They were changing definitions every day. Even when somebody was double-jabbed, the authorities simply dismissed them as being unvaccinated if they died within the first two weeks of the injection. Give me a break! All political crimes are committed via the use of false definitions and concepts. The trans activists are angry because their epistemological concepts and definitions do not describe or define reality, and in their hatred of reality, they take their anger out on those who have matured to the point of accepting reality and all that this implies, or on those who dare to point out the unreality of their situation. The trans community hates to be judged or confronted with reality, and therefore their only response is to resort to force and violence, the hallmark of everything on the left, because the left has no other ground on which to stand. Everything about the trans movement can be described in part by a word associated with sexuality, impotence, sexually impotent, intellectually impotent, morally impotent, factually impotent, communicatively impotent, epistemologically impotent, rationally impotent, logically impotent, you name it. And by impotent, I mean that they are incapable of defending or justifying their views and actions on any of these grounds for the simple reason that everything they're doing is irrational. And irrational as the Scottish philosopher John McMurray reminds us, is just another word for evil. Violence is their response, just like the rapist and murderer. The transgender activists we see are a big blob of nothingness, wallowing in their own self-inflicted impotence and in their sorrow and blaming it on those of us who are able to see it, let alone have the nerve to show it to them. The trans activists can't escape that reality, because despite all of their denials and irrationalities, they are, as I've described before, hardwired to that reality by virtue of their own physical existence and what their own perceptions are forcing upon them. And coming up next to demonstrate that principle is none other than Matt Walsh himself, producer of the documentary What is a Woman? and who, on April 5th, had this tale to tell about his recent experience on a university campus. But I want to play one clip. It's kind of long. It's about five minutes. But it's interesting because this is a trans person, uh, one of a, of, of a few that got up during the Q&A, who begins by presenting his credentials as an EMT. So he says he's a medical professional. He's trans. Um, so he's a, in a, an authority on this, whereas I am not, he says. 
And, you know, the, the back and forth went on for long enough. I probably went on for about 10 minutes. But we'll pick this up about halfway through. Uh, listen. How would you define a woman? Because you've asked other uh, people up here to define how we would define a woman. How would you define a woman, Mr. Walsh? Uh, an adult human female. And how don't trans people, how doesn't a transgender woman fit that definition? Female. Because they're not, they're not female. They, they, they have, they have, you said that you are a biological male, correct? I said I'm transgender. Um, I might be intersex for all we know. About uh, almost as many people in the world are transgender as intersex. And well, a lot of people don't know. Well, but that's a different conversation. Intersex, that's a genetic anomaly, that's a medical condition. So let, that's a completely different conversation. That's also not a, that's not a third gender. That's just a, that's a genetic anomaly that occurs within the sex binary of male and female. Um, a, so you, what you're saying is that a quote-unquote trans woman is a female? By the definitions I'm familiar with, yes. So how would you define female? Through my training in healthcare, there are several different categories for how we define sex. People bring up chromosomes. People also bring up hormone levels. People bring up all sorts of other categories. Lots of people don't fit neatly into a gender binary, even people we don't consider to be intersex. It's a complicated spectrum. It, it's not complicated, but you also didn't, you also didn't define. So what is... What is a woman? What is a female? What do, what do these words mean? It's complicated, and I know you're not going to like that answer, but that's because there are no simple answers in human biology. Let me ask you a question. You guys, well, you one hang question. on. I, just let me finish. You guys like to bring up high school-level biology classes a lot. I get that a lot. But people who go on to more complicated biology classes will talk about sex as a spectrum. It's not. It's not. Well, biological researchers would disagree with you. Well, then they're full of shit, the ones that would say that. There's, look. There are... All right. There are male gametes and female gametes. Oh, I had one, I had one last question. Wait, Mr. Walsh, can I ask you a question? I just have one, I have one quick... Can, we, can you come back for one second? Because this is an important question. You said you're an EMT. Yes. Okay, if you're responding... You're responding to a health emergency. Biological male, somebody with a penis, is, uh, is having a medical emergency. And they say to you, um, I think I'm having a miscarriage. Would you, would you check them to see if they're having a miscarriage? Would you consider that a possibility for them? Look. <laughs> no, but... That's because some people don't have body parts. Doesn't mean they're not a woman. Okay. Sounds like we've established there are some people who, in principle, can get pregnant, and there are some people who can't. So there's two categories, otherwise known as binary. Lots of women can't get pregnant either. Yeah, but they're still of the nature to get pregnant. The only but reason- But they can't get pregnant. Yes, but Truth they... matters, right? 
it, it does. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. Truth matters, and they can't okay. get pregnant. I, That's the truth. So how are they still women? Because they are... For, for, this, for the same reason, for the, for the same reason that, I, that I can rightly say that human beings have two legs. And if a person is born with only one leg, that doesn't call into question the statement that human beings have two legs, okay? A person being born with one leg doesn't mean that now legs are on a spectrum and we can't say, we can't say anything at all about how many legs a person has. Who knows, they could, have, they could be a centipede. You know, they could, have a, they could have a hundred legs. No, we know human beings have two legs. If a human is born without two legs, something went wrong. They were supposed to have that second leg. Something went wrong. If you, if you, if you meet a person on the street who only has one leg, Maybe, maybe they had an accident. Maybe they were in war. Maybe, maybe, some, you know, maybe they were in a car accident. Maybe they had cancer. A leg was cut off. But you know that something went wrong because of the, by their nature, they're supposed to have two legs. Same thing for a woman. A woman, by her nature, can get pregnant. A man, by his nature, never can. So if you meet a woman of childbearing age, say she's 28 years old, and she can't get pregnant, you know automatically that something has gone wrong. And she can go to the doctor and find out what that thing is, even if they can't fix it. So... That proves that women by their nature can get pregnant because the simple fact that she can't shows you that there is something wrong. This is what is known as the exception that proves the rule. Whereas if a male with a penis can't get pregnant, no doctor on earth is going to run tests to see what's wrong with him <laughs> because they already know it's that he's a male and there's only male and female, those who can get pregnant and those who can't. So, that's it. That's There it is. It, it turns out. Now, when you can be stumped on a rebuttal like this or a question like this, you know, a man, a, a, a man, somebody with a penis says, I'm having a miscarriage. Would, would you take that claim seriously? Would you actually run tests to see if that was really happening? And, uh, and you, you could tell that this was somehow for this person, this is something that they'd never, he'd never really thought about. But he realized, he had to admit, well, of course I wouldn't. Because there are two categories of people. There are people who can get pregnant and there are people who can't. There are people who, as I tried to explain, there are people who by their nature can get pregnant, people who by their nature cannot. Those are the two categories. And you could call those categories whatever you want. You know, we say man and woman in the English language. Uh, in other languages, they use other words. So the actual words themselves are, words are simply symbols that stand for something. They're verbal symbols. And so it's true that the verbal symbols can change. They change over time. They change depending on your language. But the reality that they are symbolizing, the reality they represent, that doesn't change. There are people who get pregnant, people who can't. You know, as I was trying to explain there, the way, the way I phrase it is, you know, women by their nature can get pregnant and I think that that's a, a technically, scientifically, you know, uh, a precise way of putting it. Maybe another way to put it, you know, we say by their nature, maybe for some people it goes a little bit over their head. It seemed to a, a bit with the person I was talking to there. So another way of putting it is a woman is someone who is supposed to be able to get pregnant. A man is someone who is not supposed to be able to get pregnant and can't. 
That means that the, uh, the, the comeback of, well, what about women who can't get pregnant? Yeah, but they're supposed to be able to. Even if they can't, they're supposed to be able to. Which is why, as I explained there, a woman in childbearing, you know, in a childbearing age, say a 28-year-old woman, can't get pregnant, goes to the doctor, says, I'm not able to get pregnant. The doctor is never going to say, well, yeah, you're not supposed to be able to get pregnant. You know, you, you just belong to a different category, a person who doesn't get pregnant, so we're not, we're not going to run any tests at all. No, the doctor's going to know, okay, well, that's, that's not how that's supposed to work. You're a woman, so you should be able to get pregnant. Let's figure out what's going on. And they will, they will always find it. You know, that's the incredible thing. The, the doctor will know just based on the fact that this is a woman, childbearing age, can't get pregnant. He will automatically know there's some kind of medical problem happening here. And they will be able to find it. Whether they can correct it or not, they can find it there. Two categories. That's what we call a binary. And the same principle applies to politics. The binary in politics is defined as left and right. There is no spectrum, despite the popular belief that there is. Those who say they're political centrists, not gender centrists, are talking about some imaginary center between communism on the left and fascism on the right, as that fake political spectrum has been taught for years. Being in the middle of two manifestations of the left is as left as it gets. But between the real political polarity of left and right, there is no spectrum. There's no middle of the road between freedom and tyranny. There's no middle of the road between good and evil, right and wrong, life and death, male and female. When Matt Walsh commented that the term by their nature goes over their head, this is just another way of saying that reality eludes them. But I think it's a bit more than that. They actually hate nature and anything natural. They are literally attempting to change their nature into something it cannot possibly be changed into, just as the globalists are attempting to change the entire nature of humanity with their insane ideas of gene-altering therapies being fraudulently foisted on non-consenting victims by merely using a false definition. Vaccine. The entire trans debate is not about sexuality, it is about epistemology, definitions and logic, and how one can properly identify reality and know that it is so. And Matt Walsh's closing comments were entirely based on epistemology. Words are symbols that stand for something, two categories, that's what we call a binary. And in the very use of the term trans, that binary is being acknowledged because what else can they possibly be transitioning from and to? The real trans the rest of us are experiencing is a transformation of a relatively free society into a fascist totalitarian one. Two categories, left and right. So for those of you interested in learning more about the binary that's just right, be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Basic black. <laughs> the colonel's going crackers. I could get shot to it, eh? You're not a bad-looking lady. I might be a bad-looking dead lady if the Germans catch me. Would you mark my program? I would like every dance with you. Leave off, would you? I could be dancing at the end of a rope.
Well, if you aren't, I'll take you by the canteen and buy your beer. <laughs> you sure know how to show a girl a good time. 